Let's pray together. Blessed are you, Lord our God, King of the universe, who sanctifies us with his commands and commands us to engross ourselves in the words of Torah. As we're preparing for the coming of the Jewish New Year, our Torah portion really can help us get ready. A few things to point out to you. It, it starts, all of you who stand today before the Lord your God, your leaders, your tribes, your elders, and your officers. This is Deuteronomy 29.10. All the men of Israel, your little ones, your wives, and then here's an interesting phrase, and your stranger. Many English translations get it wrong and say the stranger or the foreigner. But in the Hebrew, it says your stranger. Gerecha, your stranger. And, and look what it says. The one who's in your camp, from the one who cuts the wood to the one who draws your water. In other words, even the people that have the lowliest position and no social standing or, or uh, prestige. Verse 12, so that together you may enter into the covenant with the Lord your God. Isn't that interesting that the, the, the picture of God was not only to make a covenant with Israel, but with those who would be joined with Israel and those who would serve together in the community. And then verse 14, I make this covenant, this oath, not with you alone, but with the one who stands here before the Lord our God today, as well as with the one who's not here with us today. Speaking about those who will be joined in the future and those who will come from the, the very people who were who present, the descendants of those. So those from other nations who come and those from Israel who come in the future are spoken of here. And this helps us understand something. As we're approaching Rosh Hashanah, we look back, yes, and we pay attention carefully, yes, but we also look ahead. We have to look forward to what God wants to do. And then going to chapter 30. It speaks about the future. It says, when the time comes that all these things have come upon you, both the blessing and the curse. (laughs) Okay, let's ask a serious question. Is Moses an anti-Semite? He's not an anti-Semite. But he's talking seriously to Israel, right? Choose what? Choose life. Choose the blessing. Because in this world, if you don't choose that, you know what? There's evil, there's death, there's the curse. And so it's very serious. Moses is being very serious. Do not be stupid. That's not in the text. That's my, that's my gloss. Don't be stupid. Don't ignore this. Don't, don't, don't act like you can live life without regard to what is good and what is evil or what are blessings and what are curses, and, and learn to evaluate your life to see, are you living for God in his blessings, or are you ignoring God? And at Rosh Hashanah, at Yom Kippur, it's time to be serious. Now, it's great to repent. It's great to repent in any way, in any shape or form. But the, scripture, the prophetic scriptures say this, Those who are being justified, who are being found not guilty by God, are living by faith. It's not that one day they said, yeah, I believe. 
It's that they decided one day they would start living for God by faith. And faith means by trusting him and being faithful to him. So, so let's continue. When the time arrives that these things have come upon you, both the blessing and the curse which I presented to you, and you're there among the nations to which the Lord your God has driven you. You know, is Moses just being negative? Is he just a pessimist or a Debbie Downer or what? You know, they haven't even gotten into the promised land. They're getting ready to go. And he says, okay, there's coming a time when you're not even going to be living in the promised land. You'll be scattered. And you will have forgotten these precious moments that we have right now and the great things that God has done, you will not be remembering as if what God did for us now is still real and relevant. Why is that in there? It's to prepare us that we might find ourselves scattered. I can tell you, all of you who are sitting here, you're scattered. What I mean by that is you are not in the land of Israel right now. But Moses is talking about a, a turning, we'll read about it, a turning that, that takes place in the diaspora. It's a turning to God by Jewish people who are scattered among the nations. And it says, then at last, You'll start thinking about what has happened to you. And you'll return to the Lord your God and you'll pay attention to what he said. And it will be exactly what I'm commanding you to do today. You and your children with all your heart and all your being. And at that point, the Lord your God will reverse your exile and show you mercy. And he will return and gather you from all the peoples to which the Lord your God has scattered you. So this is, this is the description of one of the most important revivals of the Jewish people. It's a description by Moses. How many of you know that Moses is a heavyweight in, in the Jewish world? Okay. And he's a prophet, yes? And he's the lawgiver, yes? And so he's saying there's coming a time, Israel, and he's speaking not just to those who are present, but but to their descendants. And he's saying there's coming a time when you won't be here in the wilderness and you won't be in the land of promise. You'll be far, far away and you will have been scattered. And then there will be a change. And I want you to be prepared for it. Don't minimize it. Don't miss it. Don't misunderstand it. Don't... don't, Don't ignore it because when it happens and it touches you, you need to know what it's all about. And what it says is this. You start thinking seriously about the Lord. So it's talking about this future time when we're scattered among the nations. And there are two kinds of scatterings, I think, that that are being spoken of here. One of them, is the physical scattering where we are not living in the land of Israel, but we're living in other lands. How many are scattered in that way? All of us, right? It's true. We are there. There's a second kind of Jewish scattering that's just as important 
and I want you to pay close attention to this, is when you're scattered as a Jew into the nations and you may not even recognize your Jewishness. There are Jews in hiding. There are the children of Jews in hiding. There are Jews whose family was in hiding so successfully that the children didn't even know they were Jewish. And there are some of you in this room who fit this. You come from such families or you may be in in the middle, you may have been one of those. And I'm, I wanna tell you, I didn't decide to, how can I say this? Don't take this personally. <laughs> On one hand. On the other hand, take this personally. Now what I mean by don't take this personally, I, I know there are several of you who are saying, you know, I know I told the rabbi some of the stuff. He, why, is he, why is he doing this and talking about me? I'm not talking about you individually. I'm not doing that. I've already talked to you individually. You already know what I think and how I feel. So on the other hand, there are, there are some of you who are saying, is this really about me? And if it's really about you, take it seriously. Take it really seriously. Some of you are, you're struggling because you're wondering, am I, am I a faker? Not am I, are you? Are, are, are you really Jewish? And Moses is talking about this condition when you're scattered. And you can be scattered so many different ways where you're not sure who you are. But I want to tell you this, if you're here today, it's because God is sure who you are. And if, if, if you're one of those people who say, well, I'm not Jewish, but my, uh, my mother was. <laughs> or, well, I'm not Jewish because my father was Jewish, but you know, according to halakha, I'm not a Jew. Or I'm not Jew, a Jew because I don't have the documents. Take this in a lighthearted way. Can you imagine Isaac talking like this? Well, my dad was Jewish, but you know, I don't know. I don't know what I am. And I, I don't have, you know, the, the papers yet. If you've been scattered... It's, it's, it's time to pay attention. Now, it tells us in this passage that God is working even when we're scattered. And when you start thinking about what's happened to you, in fact, you may be in that condition right now where you're thinking, Lord, what has happened to me? How did I end up in a Messianic synagogue? You may say, you know, I, life was great, until I started finding out about my Jewish family. But you started thinking deeply about life and you're asking questions and important spiritual questions like where is God and, and where am I and who am I in relationship to God? And, and what about Yeshua? And that, that great question, who do I think he is? And, and where's my life going? And as you start answering those questions, you know what happens? You start returning to the Lord the way the scripture is talking about. You start returning to the Lord, and as you return to him, you discover he returns to you. 
And sometimes as you return to the Lord, you find out just how far away you were. And other times you find out just how close you were and you barely knew it. Moses anticipates this. Paul reiterates this in our readings. Uh, Moses says, don't say that the word's far away because it's near you so that you could do it. And you may have thought, you know, God is so far away. Everybody tells me he's far away. But when you start turning to the Lord, you find he's so close to you. And you find he's taking good care of you. I had this experience yesterday. Sandy and I were driving in the car. And I was having a serious phone call while I was driving. And you might say, well, that's not wise. But I was doing it. And I was using, you know, the hands-free mode. So I had two hands on the wheel. I was trying to be careful and, and pay close attention to everything. And I had to make a left-hand turn on a busy highway on San Jose. I had to cut across at a light. So I had to wait for traffic to clear so I could do it. And I waited and I waited. I pulled up as far as I could. And the light started to turn yellow. And I thought, okay, the intersection will clear and I'll, and I'll go across. How many of you have ever made that kind of left-hand turn? Not all of you? Oh, come on. <laughs> And I noticed that the light actually turned red, but I'm in the middle of the intersection, and so I have to get out because I'm blocking things. How many have ever been in that condition? Be honest. Don't make me feel like I'm the worst driver in the world. And so I know I'm on the phone. I need to be careful. I look, and I get ready to go, and Sandy's sitting next to me, and she makes an interesting noise and suddenly grabs my arm and my instinct is to step on the brakes, which I do immediately. And then a speeding car comes through the red light and I was, I I have to say, we were half a second away from getting hit and I think getting killed. Half a second. It wasn't a second. It wasn't two seconds. It was half a second. And that was a moment when I was so glad that I didn't say to my wife, not now. (laughs) And I don't know what it is that caused you to make the sound you made, but it was the right sound, Sandy. Or to grab me. Because there are times when I'll say to Sandy, you know, under other circumstances, did I do something that gave you the impression that I need advice right now? (laughs) But at this moment, I didn't need advice. I needed help. And she, I I think Sandy was led by the Holy Spirit in her reaction. But it was without words. It was, do you remember that sound? I I know I'm not going to ask you to try to replicate it because you're not going to do it. Okay. Tonight around 11 o'clock, she'll grab my arm and repeat it and say, there you go. And and I'll enjoy. Okay. Parents of toddlers, you need to get your kids. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. Pick them up. And you can decide what to do with them after you pick them up. You can bring them back in. 
I'll give a few more minutes to this. I'm having a good time already. The, the, the fact is we were spared. And it was, it was two hands at work. One was the unseen hand of God. And the other one was the seen hand of my wife. Thank you, Sandy, for, for not contemplating and, you know, questioning yourself, but just reacting. Half a second away, I think the car was going about 50, and it would have run right through us. Yeah. After I showed this last night, several people told me how they've been spared similarly in, uh, in recent memory. How many of you have been spared recently from, from situations? You're, you're trying to be a good driver. You're trying to be safe. But you've been spared from others who are dangerous. Idiots, yeah. There, yeah. <laughs> I'm just repeating what I heard someone else say. Yeah. We, and I don't know whether it's us or, you know, sometimes we're the idiots who are driving and we don't know what we're doing. And other times it's the crazy people in, on the highway who aren't us. But there are times when you return to God and, and you discover he's so close and I felt he was so close and he was being our shield. And that's why I'm, I'm thanking the Lord today. I'm saying, Lord, I, I, I know this. I would be dead without that kind of shield of protection. And instead of us having a nice time together here today, you would be preparing for my funeral. And I'm glad that's not happening for many reasons. When we start turning to the Lord and he, and he returns to us and we pay attention to what he's saying, then, then the scriptures become alive to us. They start speaking to us. Some of you have had this experience. You start reading the Bible and it's as if it's written just for you and just to you. How many can relate to that? And maybe you read things you didn't even know were in the Bible. You discover them. And sometimes you may, be, you may be indecisive and think, oh, this is just my thoughts, or maybe it's an insight or something like this. But I can tell you, one of the ways that you know it's not just your normal thoughts is when you read things in the Bible that convict you. And then you want to get away from it. And you like, try to ignore it, you try to read real fast, you turn the page, and meanwhile your heart is saying, I need to change. How many have had that experience? And don't make me feel like I'm the only one. <laughs> and, and so you're reading, and, and the Bible starts speaking to you about inconvenient things and undesirable things, things you don't want to change, but you know you want to change. And things you don't think you can change, but you know you need to, that you'll need God's help to change. And maybe you've even had this experience where you decide you don't even want to read that part of the Bible anymore, and so you flip to another section looking for relief, and you start getting relief. Ah, you know, here's, here's comfort, and then all of a sudden you come across another verse that convicts you about the same thing. How many of you have had that experience? You're trying to escape, and no matter where you turn in the Word, it's chasing you down. And that's one of the ways that you know it's active and it's alive. It's sharper than a two-edged sword. And it separates the things in the soul and the spirit. 
And sometimes you'll read the scriptures and they'll challenge you and sometimes they'll encourage you. Sometimes they'll answer questions that you've had. Sometimes they'll answer questions you couldn't even put into words. You, you, you were feeling and thinking, intuiting, but you had not been able to articulate. But you read something in the scriptures and all of a sudden you realize, ah, that's the issue. Now I see it. And as you're doing this, faith starts rising up in you. Faith in God, not faith in yourself. I'm not talking about self-confidence. I'm talking about your trust in God. And then something else happens. When that faith rises up, you don't want to suppress it. You actually want to enjoy it. You want to encourage it. Faith, that, that faith that starts trusting in Messiah Yeshua, that starts understanding, that starts to see, that becomes something that you say yes to rather than being neutral or detached or keeping your distance. You know, like, I'm thinking about it, I haven't decided. The faith resonates with you. And it touches your heart. It touches all your being. And then the Lord says, I'm going to reverse your exile. I'll show you mercy. And I'll return and I'll gather you from all the peoples where the Lord has scattered you. And I really want to speak about this part clearly, but briefly. Those of you who come from families whose Jewishness was scattered, and I can say, that's not me. I did not come from a family whose Jewishness was scattered. We're Jewish on both sides, all sides. And we were raised with confidence uh, that, that being a Jew was a good thing, even if it was a hard thing. And we were taught to, uh, to not hide our Jewishness and not to be ashamed, to never be ashamed of our Jewishness. But I know this from experience that, that many Jews alive today come from a different set of experiences in different families where they've been, uh, the Jewishness has been hidden or, or someone else may have hidden the Jewishness from you. And you may have, in fact, thought you were one thing and now you find out you're another thing altogether. And you may, you may even have heard, well, you're not Jewish because you weren't raised in the synagogue. How many have heard that? Well, yeah, I, I, I know my mom and dad were born of Jewish parents, but I wasn't raised in the synagogue, so I'm not really Jewish. Or maybe you heard it's your dad who was Jewish, but not your mom, so you're not Jewish. Or it was your grandparents or your great-grandparents. And I want to tell you that your Jewishness is something precious to God. And he's restoring that preciousness to you. And in that restoration, there is a, there is a moving from my mother was Jewish, my grandmother, my grandfather was Jewish, to I am a Jew. And there comes a point where all the uncertainty and all the fear and all the lack of documentation and all the, the lack of confirmation that you need, that you want, gives way to, to a decisiveness that's, that's not based on wannabeism, but it's based on reality of what your family members have really told you. And maybe they don't have papers, but they know. Someone knows. 
and someone remembers and they remind you. And there comes a point where you begin to say, I am a Jew. And when you do that, you are becoming a gift to the successive generations, to your children and your children's children, who won't have the loss that you have to overcome because you will have given them something. And instead of being scattered, you will be gathered and you will be decisive. Someone will tell you, you can't be Jewish and believe in Yeshua. How many have heard that? (laughs) Try to convince Matthew of that. He wrote his gospel in Hebrew, according to historians. Try to convince Paul, Shaul, about that. Good luck. Try to convince Peter, Kepha. You can't be Jewish and believe in Yeshua. It was because they were Jewish that they were looking for a Messiah. No one else was looking for a Messiah. And no one else was promised Messiah. And in fact, you can be Jewish and you can believe in Yeshua. It's empirically true. We are. We do. You can too. And I want to encourage you, take time, discover what Jewishness and faith in Messiah look like and how they work together and understand that you're living in a time where you can embrace your Jewishness and embrace Messiah and the world will get used to it. It already is. It's precious in God's eyes. Was that like a signal? Yeah. My wife Sandy's coming up. Yeah, yeah, in, in Ukraine. Yeah, yeah. When you want to be called on by the teacher, you raise your hand this way, yes. Pajalsta. <laughs> Please. Okay, let's have the microphone on for Rabbits and Sandy. I don't want to take long, but I want to speak to a different group. And this is a serious group of people not necessarily a visitor today or somebody who's just heard about Messianic Judaism, but I want to speak to the people here who have joined in with the Jewish people, not for um, a few weeks, but your lifestyle. You have altered your lifestyle. You, in a sense, have changed some of the things that were handed to you from your family because you've chosen to walk with the Jewish people. And I'm talking to you that have been gathered. You know, we're, in this verse, we're talking a lot to, peop, to the Jewish people who've been scattered. Well, what about the rest of us? Or I'm, I'm still going to qualify that. Some of the rest of us who've been gathered to walk with the Jewish people. And I think those of us who are in that condition can't just take it off any more than uh, the Jewish people that are being regathered. And you know how DNA affects our children and our offspring. I think when we make, as a Gentile person, make this decision to walk with the Jewish people, I'm not saying your DNA changes, but what you're going to pass down changes. And what you are receiving 
by joining with the Jewish people is a new thing possibly for your family. So it's like in, in the plant world, if you have a, a, a plant that looks a certain way and, it, and something else appears, it's called a sport. Well, in, you know, I think in Messianic Judaism, there are those of us who, not for bad reasons, but we, we walk in a different way than our family have been headed. And we, as Ruth, say, your people are my people. Your God is my God. And to those of you who've walked that way for a long time, not for a little time, but for a long time, I want to say the benefits of being natural born are the same for you. You have the benefits. You have all the benefits. And I'm not talking about the uh, church down the road or, or some other body of people. I'm talking about this body of people. That in a passage like this, You're built into a passage like this. You know, there was Israel and there was the Garim who joined themselves to Israel. And I've been a Garim so long that my own Jewish sisters-in-law say I'm more Jewish than they are. So, you know, when, when does that change? <laughs> and one of my sisters-in-law, who was the president of her synagogue, said, um, how did she put it? She said, oh, she said, Sandy, remember, being Jewish isn't just a matter of birth. So, you know, we don't have to all have, you know, our Jewish badge on or, you know, our lineage intact, but it's faithfulness. There is an issue of faithfulness, not only uh, to what God's showing you, but to a, a congregation like this, to a body of believers, to uh, the people Israel that makes you, makes me belong. Right, Eric? <laughs> so I, I just, on a day like this, and I think it's a what Rabbi David's saying is so important because we've been so many places where people literally say, I'm not Jewish, but my mother is. Or, you know, my family was Jewish and then they became Catholics and now we're Catholic. You know, we're talking about what's going on in your heart. We're talking about what you sacrifice for. We're talking about who you walk with. We're talking about what where God's leading you and what he's trying to do with you that will alter um, maybe where your family goes. So that's the other side. Thank you. Thank you, Sandy. We're negotiating whose bottle of water is whose. <laughs> but it's family germs anyway. Well, I want to encourage you as we're moving into this new year, know who you are and, and find peace in who you are. And know that 
when, when you're following the Lord and joining in through the body of Messiah with the Jewish people, you get all the blessings and all the trouble, all the joy and all the tears. Uh, they all come together. And in the end, Yeshua tells us the truth. In the end, and I'm talking about the real end, all the tears get wiped away. And it will all have been worth it. And we will say as Isaiah proclaims, Lord, we waited for you and for your salvation. And we'll give thanks and we'll say, he has come, it has come, everything we hoped and yearned for has been fulfilled. And with that attitude, we go into the high holy days. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you that you know the beginning from the end. We know that you called us, and you called us as we were to come close to you and to become your children and to walk in newness of life and to enjoy, Lord, what you are doing on behalf of the world through the Jewish people, through Messiah, and through all those who join to Messiah and to the Jewish people. And we say, Lord, thank you. Thank you for your great promises and your great plans. And we bring to you our whole hearts and our minds, and we say, Lord, we are not double-minded. We will serve the Lord all the days of our lives. In Yeshua's name we pray. Amen. Let's close with Aaron's blessing. Would you please rise? The Lord bless you. The Lord keep watch over you and protect you and be a shield for you. The Lord cause the light of his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his face to you and give you his peace. In the name of Yeshua, the Prince of Peace. Amen. Shabbat Shalom.